And this talk is specifically designed for anybody who's struggling because they are losing a lot of models on the first turn or very early in the second turn. Howdy friends, Craig here. We got a contribution from Joshua McCarron, who's been on the show before. Um, he did an interesting bonus episode for us about uh, dual masters and a case against them. But this time, what he's done is put together some advice for some of his local players pertaining to how to deal with Alpha Striker, very aggressive crews. There's some interesting theory uh, he presents. There's some actual practical advice, um, turn by turn. And uh, I'm not going to say you're going to agree with everything that he says, but I guarantee that, uh, one, you're going to find it interesting. Two, some of you are going to find it very valuable. And three, it definitely kickstarts an interesting conversation. Enjoy. Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Hey guys, Oryx Wild here. Joshua McCarran on the Facebook chats. And I'm here to talk to you today about aggression and counteraggression in Malifaux. Now, I want to preface this by saying this is a talk that is primarily aimed at intermediate level players. A lot of what makes high-level play high-level play is that it's two people who are experienced, they know both crews, they know the scheme and the strats, they know all the standard strategies, and they're finding new and interesting ways to deviate from those strategies in unexpected ways. So what I'm about to say does not actually apply to that situation so much. When you are extremely familiar with your capabilities, your opponent's crew, and your own, and you are extremely familiar with how scoring pans out over the course of a game, knowing how far you need to be given your crew's mobility to score or to be very likely to be able to score, when you know all those things, when you have very deep game knowledge, in other words, most of this advice applies only peripherally because, because as the game gets more nuanced and you become more objective-focused and less bloodthirsty, a lot of the things that people do will change. Anyway... Again, this is primarily focused on, on beginner and intermediate players. Beginning and intermediate players. So you know, the hallmark of beginning and intermediate players is they tend to brawl in the middle and then try to score. And this is not wrong. Many, many scenarios require you to get to the other side of the board and do stuff. In those cases, it's very likely that combat is going to happen around the middle of the table. And this talk is specifically designed for anybody who's struggling because they are losing a lot of models on the first turn or very early in the second turn. And I think it's really important to understand how I got to the, the perspective that I got to. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. My experience in Second Ed is that I played against a very strong local player who just played Alpha Strike Cruise all the time, would always be in my deployment zone no matter where I was on turn two or so. I was playing Resurrectionists at the time, so there was a lot of turtling and, you know, dirtling with corpses and summoning things. At that time in the game, especially as a beginner, I was like really excited about summoning. And I would just get eviscerated. And even when I was able to hold my own, I would run out of time to score objectives, and I would usually lose pretty handily on points. The games would also take forever because I was in analysis paralysis with all these crazy things that were happening. And I eventually learned to play a style where I move up conservatively and set up to receive an alpha. I would use auras and generally tough models, things that couldn't be charged, to blunt the alpha so that it didn't destroy me. And I became better and better at setting up to receive an alpha to the point where I still lost a lot, but I started winning some too because an alpha strike crew that fails in its alpha loses a huge amount of effectiveness. You have to understand this. Each model that you start with is going to get somewhere around 10 to 20 AP over the course of five turns. If they kill a bunch of stuff on turns one and two, you're losing most of that AP because the thing is dead. If they don't get them at all, or they get them on turn two or three, it's a huge reduction in the effectiveness of the whole idea of an alpha strike. And so I want to teach you the basic theory of alpha versus counter alpha. The whole thing about the Alpha Strike is they're waiting for you to move out of position. They know that you need to score, and they know that if they can get into combat without getting any retaliation, that's going to snowball them really hard into the mid-game. Especially if they can get something deep into your lines, kill something, then go first and do it again. And then whether or not you kill that model, I mean, God forbid you fail to kill that model, because then it's going to be really bad for you if they get to activate it a third time. But even if they only get to activate it twice, if it's a good Alpha Strike list, that's going to be enough to start swinging the attrition game so that they can kill off most of your important models and get ahead in scoring on the mid and late game. There are two things that are really important against an Alpha Strike list. The first is to make sure you don't get a hard Alpha Strike on turn one. You need to make sure the real attrition begins on turn two. Because of the way that the game goes, it's only five turns, it's never six anymore. You don't always have the opportunity to score. You must score the strategy on turns two, three, four, and five in order to get full points for it. And you must score both of your schemes before turn five to get full points on them. So because of that, time is very important to Alpha Strike lists. They really depend on using turns one, two, and three to clear out as much as possible. And then whatever's left over scores points on turns four and five. And they're just praying to get full points on the strategy turns two and three while they are killing you, which is not always easy because the whole idea of an Alpha Strike list is to bring as much force to bear on as undefended an area as possible. So they really do need to use most or all of their points to Alpha Strike or they risk being counter alpha and losing their Alpha Strike and still not having 
a lot of scoring models left to go score points. Howdy friends, Craig here. Nothing makes Malifaux easier than having the right tools. Here at the third floor, we love all the licensed Malifaux goodies from Custom Meeple. Not only are they helping support this podcast, they sell custom-made weird licensed tokens and terrain. They sell it all. Crew boxes, terrain, markers, tokens, and even a 3x3 full Malifaux board. Custom Meeple sells a complete M3E token set covering every marker and token you need to play. Custom Meeple are the source for the official accessories for Malifaux. Everything is designed by hand and authorized by Weird Games. Check them out at custommeeple.com, that's with one M, or follow the link in the show notes. Up your Malifaux game and be sure to tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. If you use the promo code third floor friend, all one word, T H I R D F L O O R F R I E N D, you'll get a 5% discount and help support the podcast. It's valid on everything except retail products and playmats. So I'm going to just break these down to its simplest form. Imagine the board as a section of moves. You get an 8-inch deployment zone in standard. It's going to change depending on deployment zone, but we're just going to use standard as the base. In standard, you start 16 inches up, each 8 inches up. You know, usually your opponent's going to start near the deployment line because you need to to get out and score. On a 36-inch table, that leaves 20 inches between you, which is about four moves for most models, or three moves if you are a fast-flying model with two-inch reach, which many Alpha Strike crews really like those kinds of things. The way that I play into Alpha Strikers, or people who want to do an Alpha Strike, is I move up one time and focus with virtually all of my models. And I might only move up like two or three inches, or maybe I have to move through some terrain, and I just accept that. And this sets up a situation where if they want to come to me, they have to move three times. That means they don't get to focus and they need extra AP or movement tech. On the other hand, I get to move up once and focus. So now if they come into me, unless they have a really amazing Alpha Strike list, which do exist, then I'm going to have more resources than they do because I have focused on all of my guys and they're going to have focused on none of their guys. Or maybe they have focused on one guy, but that's the only guy who's going to get far enough to Alpha Strike me. Now I have my entire crew to strike back. Now, there's times where this isn't going to function. I mean, sometimes it's not enough. You know, against Butterfly Jump, it can be really hard to trap people in, or you got I've got your back so you can get them out of engagement after a single activation. Like, there's definitely ways around it. And Alpha Striking is not dead. However, almost any crew out there that Alpha Strikes you from 15 inches away when all of your guys have focused is going to lose that battle super hard. And if they don't, then you didn't take a crew that can do what it needs to do, which is accept an Alpha. So I'm going to go back to this. This is such a simple idea. You need to understand whether or not you are the Alpha Strike crew. And I highly recommend having a more flexible style where you don't have to alpha strike, but you certainly are good at it. You need to respond to what your opponent's doing. And again, we're going to divide the space in the center up into quarters. It's about four moves. It's going to be more or less depending on the terrain and the movement abilities involved, but it's about four moves away from deployment zone to deployment zone. If I move up once and focus and you move up three times and attack me, I'm going to win that battle so much of the time because not only do you not have focus, but I do have it. And that is a huge swing. So what does an alpha striker do? You can't force your opponent to move up further than one move. And you don't have the efficiency to move your entire crew three times and attack meaningfully. So what you do as an alpha striker is you also start moving up. 
one time and focusing. Because now the distance between you is 10 inches. And now you have focus. You have equaled my resources because you also have focused. And now you can alpha strike from 10 inches away easily because you're an alpha strike crew, right? So 10 inches is no big deal. You should be able to move multiple models that much and they have focused and you can do more attacks. So it's like, it's like now we have equalized resources, but you've made the distance between us smaller. Now you've lost time and that's not ideal, but at the same time, losing the fight is worse than losing time. Howdy friends, here on the third floor, you'll find us playing Malifaux and other tabletop games using Mats by Mars. Their mats are scratch resistant, waterproof, wet erase marker compatible, and lighter than neoprene. Their mats use a new material that eliminates almost all glare, which is perfect if you're filming battle reports or you're under some glaring lights. Mats by Mars gives you over 40 designs to choose from. Pick a mat size, Pick a printer design, and then choose an overlay for Marvel Crisis Protocol, Star Wars Legion, or even Malifaux 3rd Edition strats and schemes. The overlays will speed up your deployment and the placement of all of your objective markers. Until the end of September 2020, you can use the new promo code THIRDFLOOR920 to get a 10% discount on your next order. The promo code is in the show notes. When you place your order, don't be afraid to tell Mats by Mars you'd like a Third Floor Wars logo to be put on your mat at no charge. It's the only way to make the best mat in the market even cooler. Again, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR920 to get a 10% discount. All the details are in the show notes. Most Alpha Strike crews, by nature of being highly offensive crews, are also really good at countering an Alpha. If they are willing to move the, t- the 10 inches, you know, we've already established that you're the Alpha Strike crew, which means you are going to win a fair fight, or you can force an unfair one somewhere on the board. If they are willing to close the gap, then they're going to lose a lot because you're going to get your full attacks plus the folks you already have, and they're going to get, you know, negative two attacks because they had to move twice, or they're going to have to use some other movement tech. Part of what makes a really good alpha is a bunch of free movement. That's why Marcus is so good at alpha striking, because he gets six to 12 inches of free movement on his entire crew if he wants to. And his crew ends up like movement seven flying. So he can totally alpha strike you from 20 inches away. And yet, even with all that stuff, let's say you take your saber tooth Cerberus and you move all your guys up. Your saber tooth Cerberus is probably still 10 inches in front of everybody else with no focus and nothing. It's not hard to kill after it's cruise missile into you. And that's what I think people don't realize about Marcus is you just accept that he's going to kill stuff. You kill it back. And, uh, you know, you got to bring tools, but I mean, you, his stuff is not that hard to kill most of the time, as long as you know what his upgrades do in advance and expect your opponent to use them. So it really just is as simple as that. I think when you're a beginner, when you're an intermediate, if you are getting wiped off the table on turn two or turn three, and it's starting on turn one, especially if it's starting on turn one, because if you're getting wiped off on turn two and turn three, maybe you are preparing properly but you're just not using the right positioning or you're misreading the game and you think you're going to win a fair fight but you don't you aren't going to win a fair fight or maybe you're close one way or the other and then some really poor flips happen because that can totally happen in a close game but if you are feeling like you're getting caught out of position and your opponent is killing stuff for free try this try moving up no more than five inches and really sometimes three is fine and focusing once with almost your entire crew and keeping them close enough so that they could support each other if they need to 
you can obviously afford to move more aggressively on the flanks. Like maybe on the flanks, maybe you move, you have some high movement scheme runners with some free movement in their kit. Maybe you move seven inches in focus. Now, if they want to alpha strike the flank, they're going to have to go further because theoretically they're alpha striking around the middle. And that's the other big thing, I think, is that the theory really is that simple. If you're going to be the defensive player, you move up once in focus and prepare to overwhelm an enemy who is willing to travel the distance to get to you. If you're the aggressor, you wait as long as you can in the turn to see what your opponent is going to do. And if they move up more than five inches or so, you do your be- your level best to still have pieces that can go and kill them. If they only move up five inches and focus with their entire crew and they're totally out of range, you also move up and focus with your entire crew. Now the distance between you has grown smaller and it's a fair fight again. And theoretically, you're going to win a fair fight because you're the aggressive crew. This is a strategy that is nuanced. Like maybe your bo- your opponent totally commits to the right side of the board. Or maybe on the left side, your guys move up 10 inches and don't focus because you want to get into scoring position really fast and your opponent just doesn't have a way to get to you easily or not with enough force that you're worried about it. Like it's fine. Then that's what I say when you get to higher level play, which is that's not even super high level play, but as you get better at not losing the game on turn one and early turn two by getting just suckered into a fight you can't win and then getting destroyed. Now your opponent is playing an attrition list and they have control over the middle of the board or whatever. And like the rest of the game is probably not going to go very well for you if you lose 10 or 15 points for free or for very close to free. Once you get past that phase, it becomes really important to understand what your opponent is doing and apply different kinds of strategy to different parts of the board, depending on how aggressive they're being and how much movement capability they have. Hi guys and girls, ladies and gents, I'm Kevin Smith, I'm the Southwest boy living in the southeast of the UK. I contribute $18, or £13 a month to Third Floor Wars. And why? Well, I work 50 hours a week as a supermarket manager, have three children, so in my spare time, I just want to play foe. And if I can't do that, the next best thing is listening to the Third Floor Wars podcast. Not only do I hear about what I play, and the gaps in my knowledge, but I also hear about all of the cruising tactics that I need to beat and often how they've even performed in recent tournament reports. The online store has some great merchandise, including t-shirts and mugs to buy now to show your support. You should be a Patreon too. So pause this episode and go to patreon.com and search for Third Floor Wars, or grab the link in the show notes. What is it worth to you to get this podcast on a weekly basis? Is it worth a dollar a month? Five dollars a month? Twenty dollars a month? If you'd like to help support the work that we're doing here on Third Floor Wars, please go buy our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash thirdfloorwars. There you can pledge at any level, any dollar amount. Whatever you give us will help us put out quality content on a regular basis and hopefully make tabletop gaming a little bit better for you every week. Hey, want to take a moment to give a shout out to our most recent patrons, Nick Cromarty, Blair Thompson, Sean Ratner, Christopher Rue, Cody Ravicki, Nathan Howe, Brian Gresham, Max Adams, and Alec K. The only reason we're able to put out content on a regular basis is because of you and all of our other patrons. Thanks. And it really comes down to recognizing that you need to punish your opponent for the strategy they are trying to pursue. Here's a great example. Let's say your opponent balls up 40 points worth of models and their master on the right side, and you both moved up and focused with all of your guys. 
Well, it is not, you know, if you can still score, you have to know your crew and know your capabilities, but if you can still score and you really are not the aggressive crew and you haven't put as many points on that side of the board, it is not unreasonable to move back and focus. It's not always going to be a good plan, depending, so, you know, so much of it depends on the terrain and the scenario and the particular crews involved, but you have to be prepared to maintain the unfairness of the fight. Because there's now there's 10 inches between you, you move back, now you're back to 15 inches, and you focused again. Now they either have to walk the 15 inches and go into superior resources, or they walk the 5 inches again and focus again. Now they've lost even more time to attrition. Again, you know, I play 10 Thunders, Neverborn, Resurrectionists. I play a lot of crews that have high movement or potentially global-ish movement. You know, I play Seamus, I play... Uh, high movement things with flying, Yasunori, the Shadow Dragon, Torakage, Misaki, um, you know, uh, Asami has tons of movement tech. The only really super mobile play master I play is Yoko because she's just so cool. But I think that these kinds of, of, of crews and masters that can turtle turns one and two and then send guys, you know, Marcus, then send guys 20 inches away um, are really, really strong because the, the risk your opponent takes by coming closer, creeping closer and closer without committing to an alpha strike is that you then run to the other side of them and now they have to run backwards away from their objectives to kill you, in theory, of course. Or they have to split their crew because some of their crew needs to go to your side of the board to score objectives and some of their crew is trying to go back and alpha strike the things that ran past them. You can leave just enough so that it's like annoying for them to come and kill it. They don't get as much as they want, but at the same time, they can't like chase you in both directions because now you have the opportunity to mob the guys where they're weak and kill those guys. When you stop just mindlessly plowing into your opponent just to see what happens, you can try to bait them into different areas of the board to create an advantage for yourself. So I hope this helped. Again, the simplest way to remember it is there's four segments in the middle of the board of five inches each. Most models are going to take three or four AP to cross that. You need to maintain a gap and make sure that if they come in for a fight, it's not going to be fair. As I promised you in the intro, uh, some very interesting ideas, both high level and practical. Um, I really appreciate Joshua submitting this and uh, letting us uh, make it part of the uh, broadcast feed to you. I'd be very interested what your thoughts are. So do me a favor, swing by our Facebook post related to this um, episode. Uh, shoot us a note uh, via our email. All the links are in the show notes. But uh, we'd like to know whether you think Joshua is on to the right thing or if uh, maybe something Joshua said kicked off some ideas of your own. If you stuck around to the end, thanks for listening. Take care. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear. On the site, you'll find articles and links to past episodes of both our podcasts and our YouTube videos. ThirdFloorWars.com is also the home of the U.S. Faux Tour. If you're based in the U.S., swing by and check out how your conference stacks up against the others in the country. Where do you rank in your conference? How about in the whole of the United States? Get those models built, painted, and on the table. Practice up so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational. Please rate and write a review on this podcast. Tell your friends that Third Floor Wars is the best resource for Malifaux and many other tabletop games. Mention us on Twitter. Point people to us on Facebook. Boosting our signal helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Shh, never forget. You'll always be our favorite fan. Screw the rest, you're the best. 
Howdy friend, Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the US and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. <laughs> 